Welcome back to Two Mamas in a Mustard Seed. I am one of your hosts, Renee Rethel. And I am your other host, Kisa Holke. This week, we continue our interview with Jason Darden, an instructor of Bible and religion at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Jason is also a husband, father, hip-hop artist, and chaplain in the United States Army Reserves. We have a lot of great stuff coming your way today. Let's get to it. We saw a recent interview with Jason where he discussed a fear that sometimes exists in white church leadership. Listen to what he says about this fear of black pastoral leadership within predominantly white churches. The problem that we have is, is a human problem. It's a heart problem. If we, if we pull back all the different layers of, of things that we deal with in America, we're not unique. We are unique in some ways, but we're really not unique. Mm. The quest for power. When I think about the scripture, the scripture says, where do wars and conflicts come mm. from? It's your desire to have. It's your desire to have. And that's a desire of power to obtain, to, 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 to hold on to, right? So there is a fear that, and I've been a part of this. I've been a part of the experiment, right? Mm-hmm. White congregation. I'm the only brother within 50 miles of where I live, right? They want to do a nice thing. We need to be more inclusive, right? So I start preaching for the congregation. What happens is some people don't like my style of preaching, so you lose some people, right? Uh, After the initial loss, the hemorrhaging, we kind of stable out a little bit. Everybody's like, okay, we're used to the, we're used to the black preacher. He's he's Mm. okay. Mm. Uh, And then what happens is black people start showing up, right? And the dynamics of the congregation begin to change, right? Uh, we start doing worship a little bit different, loss of control. Uh, we see different characters from the community show up, further loss of identity and mm. control. And that's a scary thing, right? Because in the core of us, I think we all want to keep our culture intact. We want to stay in charge and control of what's going on. So the fear is when you let Black people in, you're going to lose some of your identity. You're going to lose your control. And that's a scary thing. And on the flip side, the black church is that way too, right? I'm at, I'm at a predominantly black church. And when we see more and more white faces in the pew, sometimes we go, uh, what was, what's going, what's going on here? And this happens to me all the time. If you go to a, like, I was talking to somebody about this in Searcy, there are now two black barbershops, right? And that's like our space. <laughs> oh. and, and one time this guy was talking, he went in there to get his hair cut and like three white people walked in. He was like, bruh, there's like three <laughs> other places. <laughs> Before you know it, it's going to be, you know. So, and I think that all stems from, we just like our culture. We like to be mm-hmm. in charge. We like our power systems, the way we do things. And when you start letting other people in, mm. you actually have to relinquish some of that. And there's a fear there. So. Wow. And that, that can be a spinoff to a whole nother discussion about the Imago Day. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about identity, um, okay. but again, that's, that's another one. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. It, it just makes me wonder too, is it even possible to have a healthy multi-ethnic church? Oh. <laughs> I'm just curious. What do you in think? The best of me in the, the best of me wants to say yes. Mm. And because I've I've had the privilege of, of being a part of some of those congregations, but they're few and far in between. 
And I, I, I'm not quite sure that's the standard that we should all be striving for, to be honest. Mm. Right. Uh, only, there's only a certain certain group of people that feel completely comfortable and confident in who they are and, and are, are comfortable with acculturation and 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 don't don't view the world through through lenses of, of race. But that that's a special type of pe- person. That's mm-hmm. a that's a special type of person. And they have to grow up kind of living that experience. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say to a predominantly whatever congregation, our MO now is to become multi-ethnic. That's an adaptive change that mm-hmm. some people can't do. Some people can't do it. And so it kind of frustrates me from time to time when people say, oh, we want to be a multi-ethnic church. Well, you you can't, you, you kind of can't be that you can't be the army, mm. this utopia society, unless you are in the trenches and you have bullets flying over your head wow. and, and you are all on the same mission. You know, we always say it doesn't matter what your race or gender is when you're in a foxhole and bullets are flying over your head. You don't even think about that anymore. Mm. Right? Yeah. And unless we have those experiences as people, as a collective it's going to be hard to have a multi-ethnic place where we push that aside. And that's just the humanity in us. We struggle with that. So that's not for everybody. And and I hate to say that because I'm the multi-ethnic culture champion. Right. But I've been, my heart has been hurt because Mm -hmm. I've seen people try to do this and it's caused more damage than good. So I guess that, you know, that's kind of like for me and well, for all of us sitting here, like Kisa, you're married to a white man. Oh, Jason. Okay, we're all, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I have black children. We should start a church, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Like, where, as families, where do we belong? Yeah, we don't belong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't belong. Hmm. We we are few and far in between, right? And Mm -hmm. and I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Mary and I talk about it all the time. We, man, we just feel like we don't belong. Hmm. But when we find people that have a similar experience, you feel that community, don't you? It's, it's yeah. very interesting. But you'll hear, you'll hear from pastors and you'll hear from, from churchgoers and other believers that just, just trust God's word. Don't get hung up on man. Don't get hung up on this and don't get, just focus on the word of God. That's easy to say. It's easy to say. That's what's preached. It's easy to say when someone is not sympathetic to your experience. Mm-hmm. They're not sympathetic to what happened on the news last night because it's not affecting them personally. It's affecting someone that looks like me right. and I'm exhausted. Right. And so we don't have to go into that, but, but the whole, you know, that was a great question, Renee, because there are lots of pastors that want to have that multi-ethnic church or, but the representation and leadership is not that the music is not going to be that. And it's going to be difficult to get there as I've, I've learned in some places. So, so do we give up on that goal? Do we give up on that? No, we don't give up. I think it's a, it's a learning, it's a retraining, it's a recognizing, uh, and it's a, a humbling that leadership mm-hmm. and those that don't understand would have to come to, right? Yeah. You have to put yourself in position under someone that doesn't look like you in order for you to get Hello. to another place. Is that right? Or would you agree with that, Jason? Amen. Amen. And, our human inclination is not to, this is, not, like I said, it's a human heart problem. Like that's, that's hard. That's hard to say, I'm going to submit, I'm in a position of power, authority, control. 
I'm going to give it up to to listen to someone else. But that is the way of the kingdom. But our hearts don't want to do that. Yeah. Our hearts don't want to do that. Dang, well, we'll see you. Have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just be done. (laughs) Can we have a healthy multi-ethnic church? Is it possible? Jason says it's what most churches want, but they don't know how to get there or want to go through what it might take to accomplish it. We hear that. While important to have representation of many in the pulpit, for a true multi-ethnic cultural church to be successful, there has to be tons of humility and intentionality. I'm just going to, I'm going to do a hard shift now and I want to talk about Harding, Jason, if that's okay for a few minutes. Um, You know this, we were in the news with the Botham Jean situation, a Harding graduate who was shot and killed by the off-duty Dallas police officer, Amber Geiger. Um, I think a lot of us know this story, but she was later sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of Botham. Fast forward to now, in this past summer, we're working, the nation's working through George Floyd's murder. Um, Shortly after that, Jason, you know this, there's a petition started among Harding alumni to change the name of a predominant building to honor Botham John. And then in the middle of all that, you also did a Juneteenth ceremony, I know, at Harding. So tell us just what the feel is on campus towards all of these issues. Because I remember when we were students, I don't remember talking about it. Hmm. Do you? No. I mean, maybe you have a different perspective because no. you're black, but as a white girl who hung out with a lot of the right. black guys on campus, I don't remember this. About Juneteenth? No, what? just talking about any of this. Oh. Yeah, so let, I got to say this and I got to be careful um, because I love the institution that I work for. I love what I get to do. This is yeah. That's why we're back. I met my wife great. here. Great. Yeah, it's so, a great place. So many amazing, like I want my daughters to go here. Like, so I, I, it's hard for me to to address some of this stuff just because of the love that I have. Man, I, w- I don't know where I'd be without Harding, right? Yeah. So, so I, I'm diehard loyal to the core. Yeah. I, 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 you cut me, I, I bleed gold and black, you know? It's That's just, right. <laughs> it is. So, but honestly, coming up when we did, I, 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 I was able to code switch, right? So I had an easier time at Harding. Hold up. Code switching? Does everyone know what that is? Let's break it down a little bit in case you don't. UrbanDictionary.com defines code switching as this. Speaking in a particular way, using particular terms, references depending on who you're addressing and interacting with. The Pew Research Center reports that Black and Hispanic Americans are more likely than their white counterparts to say they at least sometimes feel the need to change the way they express themselves when they are around people with different racial and ethnic backgrounds. You know, I could coast. I'm a code switching champ. Right? I can write a book on code switching. <laughs> I, I will flip it real quick. Right? I'm probably even doing it in this conversation, but <laughs> so. Um, but there's a, a population here that couldn't do that just yeah. because of the way they came up. There, there was no code switching. That, that's foreign. Like it doesn't make sense. And, and I, I, I saw that while I was here and that population had to navigate this, this hardened culture in, in a very unique way. Right. So that we had mm-hmm. little bubbles. So 
I hung with everybody, but my closest friends were Mace, Kiki, Sydney. You know, the list goes on. Yes. I go to the football team, all the brothers. Yep. And we would have our powwows in our room just talking about some of the stuff that we saw. But it never had to do with, it didn't have to do with the naming of buildings or anything like that. It was just, so we used to go into the chapel, into the Benson. We knew the, the history of Harding. We, we didn't think about the name of the Benson. Like that was not a part of our, like, we didn't care. We that just went in. Yeah, we just yeah. went, we like chapel. I go here every day. It's kind of dry today, but that's, that's, <laughs> the, so we weren't even thinking about it. There, there was one incident though, where um, the cafeteria was renamed and it was called the white cafeteria. It wasn't like the Charles A. White. It was just like the white it's cafeteria. So white. <laughs> And, and a couple of people made some issues with that. And they were like, oh, what, what is going on? So that was the one kind of hiccup thing that we had. Um, yeah. We changed that. Tri Kappa, that was, uh, you know, a whole nother thing. You know? Oh, hold up. Hold up. Yeah. Hold yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Slow down for a second. Okay. Kisa, Tri Kappa was the name of my social club, which oh, was like okay. a fraternity sorority system at Harding. We're called social clubs. Jason was a bow for Tri Kappa. <laughs> now, if you want to get real deep, technically the name of my social club was Kappa Kappa Kappa. Yeah. Just think about it, Kisa, for just a second. Yeah. yeah. But I, I take pride in Tri Kappa, Jason, because I have, I have the jersey right here. It's in my office. Hang and on. it, it no longer exists at Harding. The club is gone. But we, were, I feel like we were one of the more diverse social clubs for women, for girls on campus. Yeah, yeah, for sure we were. Um, I, I bring that up to say this, um, you know, Kappa, Kappa, Kappa. We didn't spell out Kappa, so it was KKK. So I remember <laughs> oh, in the student center and there was a banner that said KKK. And we would, but so we saw that KKK and we would joke about stuff like that. But it wasn't yeah. really like, oh my God, gosh, this is a big deal. So. Hmm. That all changed, though, with with the death of both of them. I wasn't here. I didn't know both of them uh, with the shift in our, our culture. Botham Shemjan graduated from Harding University in 2016 with a degree in accounting and management information systems. A St. Lucia native, he moved to Dallas shortly after graduating to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Botham, by all accounts, was a beloved member of the Harding family. He was a powerful worship leader and a friend to all who knew him. This young black man was murdered at the age of 26 on September 6, 2018, by an off-duty, uniformed Dallas police officer while simply sitting on his couch in his apartment. And then we we come across this this element of, I hate to say it this way, but it's so true, cancel culture, right? We, we want to erase the history of racism in, in our country. So a petition was started. It needs to start with the guy who said bluebirds and blackbirds don't flock together. It needs to start right here, right now. And the person who said that his name is on a place where we all collectively come together and, and, and we worship. And, and when I initially heard that, honestly, I was like, that's strange. Where did that come from? Because we didn't even think of that. I I, no. I, I talked to, Mar you know, there's a few of us that still work here that are here now. We were like, what? I didn't even, that wasn't even a thing. 
And, and, and so it's amazing how it kind of took that shift and, and it makes you question, is this just a part of like this, this cancel culture, younger generation that want to do that? Now, I think there is value in, in changing the name, of course, like, yeah. of course, that's a good step. That's a good step. But if yeah. it's not, is it going to kill me? Well, that wasn't my experience. Like they let this black man talk in chapel all the time. So, I mean, I take pride in it. He yep. was this way, but look who's in here now, right? So it, it's, um, so it, so on campus, it's been, it's, it's an interesting mix because you have people from different generations, different spaces, different experiences at heart. So cancel culture is defined as the popular practice of withdrawing support for or canceling public figures and companies after they've done or said something considered objectionable or offensive. Now, while I agree you don't cancel history, I do believe there is a time and place and a how and who you pay homage to. There should definitely be ramifications for negative and damaging behavior. Accountability should be taken for hurt and harm incurred. Now, we know that removing statues and changing names of buildings doesn't change history. But why is it so controversial to take down monuments and statues dedicated to figures in our histories who perpetuated hate, oppression, and supremacy even till death? Wouldn't a spot in a museum be better suited? To quote the poet James Baldwin, we can all disagree and still love one another unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. The one thing we came together on which I was surprised by uh, is our community doesn't know black history very well. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so surprised. Like I'll mention stuff in class and some students be like, who is that? I never, I, and I'm like, whoa, you didn't, oh, you're you didn't surprised? know. You're surprised I'm, that they don't know? I, I don't know why I'm surprised, um, but I'm surprised, mm. you know, and, and, and it causes you to dig deeper and then you go, they really aren't learning. Like I went to an all black high school. So mm. black history, like, yep. Every voice. I mean, we, we, that was it. There and it is. That, that my lived experience is not everybody's lived experience. Mm -hmm. like, right. Um, so I, I began to quickly realize these students don't know their history. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I came across, uh, it was summertime and, and all this racial unrest was going on. I said, man, this would be a great time to inform the community on Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. So when we did Juneteenth, nobody, really understood what it was. They had no idea. So we had the privilege of just kind of explaining why this day is significant and, and the power in it. And now it's probably a tradition that will continue on here at Harding forever. And it was just a great celebratory moment for people to go, oh, okay, there's a whole section of history that we just didn't know. And it wasn't like we were closing our eyes to it. We just weren't given it. So I'm in the, the business of let's continue to educate people, you know, and hopefully that will cause. Well, that's kind of what's going on at Harding right now. There's a big push on celebrating history, educating people so that we're more aware. Juneteenth recognizes the ending of slavery in the United States. Dating back to 1865, it was on June 19th that the Union soldiers, led by Major General Gordon Granger, landed at Galveston, Texas, with the news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Well, we've got, this is our last question for you. Um, as a college professor who teaches New Testament, are there ever times your teaching intersects with justice and race relations? 
of course. You say intersex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That famous word. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would take it a little, uh, there's so many different ways to go, to go with this. Uh, and I, I'm just probably going to take a really broad 20,000 foot view. And then if I'm too broad, just bring me closer to home. Okay. Um, when I think about gender, I, I, I think about how Jesus functions when it came to, to, to gender, gender equity. Jesus gave special attention uh, to women in scripture, um, to people like we talked about earlier on the fringes of society, uh, to people who were deemed sinners of the day. And those would be the tax collectors and uh, the, the, the prostitutes and, and, uh, and even soldiers, right? And Jesus pays special attention and he, he never comes off in a way that he's accusing people and making people feel guilty for their experience, right? Um, so I, I often tell stories about some of my encounters with, with this, this idea of gender and or sexual orientation or, and I tell them my lived experience, right? So me growing up as a soldier, growing up in a male dominated culture, women did this, men did this, a man and a wife, there's no in between. There's no, there's no idea of, of sexual confusion with identity and all of that good stuff. I moved back to California. Um, and I friended someone who was transgender, right? And, and just the learning experience I had through that encounter uh, and hearing uh, CG's story really changed my, 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 my thoughts on a lot of stuff, right? So in class, that naturally seeps out. I really, we, we have a number of students here that identify as being on the fringes, if you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. They identify with being a part of that community. And what's interesting is out of all the things that, uh, if we had a, 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 a list of the most terrible things you can do in life, sins, right? That the church deems the sins. Yeah. One thing that we always put at the top of the totem pole is, is sexual orientation, identity, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, secondarily to that, would be, I don't know why, but you know this from the Harding community, is like women's roles in the church, right? Like, and these are hot button issues that what we tend to do is skate around. Mm-hmm. Let's not even address those. Let's silence them. Um, I may get in trouble at Harding because of this. I may not be here that long. Who knows? But I, I have a problem with that. I, I do have a problem with that. There are students with many questions, um, many thoughts, many struggles and where is the safe place for them and biblical discussions and, 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 and to have conversations about identity and to welcome and love, welcome and love. Um, we haven't done that very well in the classroom, especially at our Christian institutions. Right. So I make it a point to talk about these things. I have a, a counseling mentorship relationship with a number of students who have questions uh, I give us I give spaces for for ladies uh, to to participate in in uh, sharing scripture and and praying. I, yeah, I'll be careful here, but you know, I, I because there's something about equity uh, for all people that is needed that I think we are not seeing even till this day, right? And when it comes to that population of people, their voice is is often 
thrown out as unimportant and that's special. So that's a broad 20,000 foot view. I'm sure I probably didn't hit on exactly what you wanted me to do. I love my alma mater. I still consider my Harding days some of my best days. Just like many Southern or really just American institutions, Harding has had to take some steps to make progress in this conversation of racial equity and equality. The petition this summer that received thousands and thousands of alumni signatures was to rename the main auditorium on campus. It's currently named after former Harding president George Benson, who supported school segregation in the 1960s. While the Benson Auditorium name remains for the time being, Harding is taking steps. Just this past week, the current Harding president announced that the school will rename another prominent building on campus after the first African-American undergraduate students to earn degrees at Harding. I'm so happy Harding, which is located deep in the heart of Arkansas, deep in the South, is taking action like this. And I'm so proud of my brother Jason and the work he's doing for the kingdom and for our alma mater. His courage, his courage to love everyone like Jesus loves, inspires me. No, that was really good. And I, I'm glad you said all of that because I think that in the church, you're right. We just, we skate around it. We don't want to talk about it. But Jesus never says, don't love this particular sinner with this particular sin. He never said that. Right. Don't don't be friends. He never said don't be friends with people who have sin in their lives. Gosh, right. and I couldn't be friends with any of y'all on the screen, and you couldn't be friends with me, right? Like, we're all messed up. And so, gosh, Jason, I'm just I'm so proud of you, man. And yeah. I am just so thankful you're at Harding, and I hope they keep you around for a long, long time. Well, I, stay. I appreciate the encouragement, and uh, I appreciate this podcast and this conversation because this. This needs to be had, and we need to do more of this, and we need to share this uh, because there are hurting people living on the fringes, and we have a responsibility as disciples of Christ, as Christ followers, to love on these people, yeah. not separate ourselves and point the finger. Uh, and somewhere along the way, we become very calloused, and, and we forget that. Right. Yeah. So, it's so hard. I, I appreciate you guys so much. A little self-righteous. We do. We do. But you've got five minutes to go ahead and spit some bars. Oh, if you need some inspiration to live for the Mason who laid the foundation, created the nation and gave us salvation. If you're looking for truth and honesty, honestly, I'm not surprised. The only truth given to man is one that's been authorized. So what's the purpose for this planet? We don't understand it. We landed and banded together, but now we're stranded on an island, not Hawaiian, and we're dying while we're trying to keep our heads above water and one day make a desire. Life is complex. You never know what's next. And every choice and decision we make has effects. We all have regrets. We need some outlets to light the load for the Poe and take away our debts. Searching for something greater for now and not later. Anticipating a favor you should come give with the Savior. No matter what your behavior, salt always adds flavor. And that's something to say. Bars. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> Good job. Good job. My goodness, Jason. Well, well, now you got to hop off the class, but my word. Thank you. Awesome, you guys. It's been awesome. Keep up the good work. I'm so proud of you. This is such a needed, needed podcast. And uh, I'm so proud of you guys. Oh, Jason, thank you. We appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy college professor life. Yes. Blessings to you guys and to your family. Yes, you too. Thanks, Jason. 
On Listen to Jason Dart in part one, we celebrated retired four-star general Colin Powell. We thought we would end the episode this week by listening to this clip of the retired general and former Secretary of State talk to Andrea Mitchell on NBC Nightly News on July 9, 2020. He was talking to Andrea about the racial unrest happening in the country and listen to him talk about his time in the military. There's only one motel that you could stop at on the, along the way that would accept black people. There was segregation. You better have some folks you could stay with or a lot of chicken in the car to keep you fed. But once you got to Fort Benning, you were in an integrated society and all they cared about was, am I a good soldier? Am I going to be a good soldier? He supports. If you missed our celebration of the retired four-star general, Colin Powell, you can catch that now on Listen to Jason Darden Part 1 on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed. What a breath of fresh air it was to sit and listen to Jason today. We hope you'll join us next week as we dive into housing in America. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Envision Radio. Until then, remember to be humble, be kind, be courageous, and be good listeners. Two Mamas and a Mustard Seed is written and produced by Kisa Holke and myself. Music is licensed through musicbed.com. Learn more about us, hear more episodes, and send us your questions and comments at two mamas and a mustard seed.com. Everybody knows it's time to let go and have fun in the sun. Yeah. All I see are blue skies. Blue skies. Yeah. This feeling just feels so right.